This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he lines it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And to Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that where most Americans live. That means it's time for the WWE. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that most Americans live in. That means it's time for the daily debate brought to you by campusagain.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace and Chris Moxley. And I'm Felix Sharp. On an obvious version of tonight's show, the Division II quarterback that you need to roster, a potential first-round wide receiver goes down with an injury, and we check in on some quarterback battles. But we start with uh, the Expo, gentlemen. We went down there to K- – or up there, for me, to Canton and had a good time. But before the Expo – uh, we had gotten into an argument in the campus Canton Slack channel about who would win in a race between uh, three of us here, Matthew, Austin, and myself. We even posted on a poll. who would, There was an argument regarding who would come in first and who would come in second. And so we went to the expo. There was an event at the Hall of Fame at the stadium there. And, Austin, I'll let you take it from there. Why don't you go ahead and pick it up? Oh, no, Austin froze. What happened? Perpetually playing defense against the show, you toss it to your teammate, bounce pass right out of bounds. I don't listen. You all get mad at me when I sit here in monologue. So nobody else wants to talk about what happened. Chris well, Mark? I wasn't there, so I can't tell you guys what happened. I saw the video because you're I don't know scared. It was not because I was scared. Y'all couldn't wait three minutes. I was walking on stadium there. 
Oh, the I would have bought that nice lady a drink and let me walk on the field and raise you guys. I was walking toward you guys as you were finishing. I didn't know that's what you did. I just saw Felix half naked on the field walking one way. Austin walking next to him talking. And I was like, oh, hey, what are they doing? Must have been throwing passes or something. Then I get down there and I see Austin looking sheepishly and Felix showing like a million people his phone. So. <laughs> All right, so yes, there was a race 50 yards from the goal line at the where they play the Hall of Fame game to the 50-yard line, and I beat Austin by what? I don't know, three, four steps? I mean, yeah, that sounds right. It, was, uh, it wasn't particularly close, and Matthew wants to smoke also. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to uh, meet up again and see. And see what happened. Not notably, great times, by the way, for for either of us. Notably, to- notably, after Matthew saw the video of this race, his reaction was, "Oh, now I wish I'd been there because I know I would have won." So, I, I mean, I didn't tell you guys to race without me. I was on my way. I was making my way down to the field. I apologize. I went and visited family. It's important to me. David at Solving Football on Twitter, who does a lot of our mile per hour uh, data tracking, tracked the race. Top speed of 16.8 miles per hour. That's equates to a 5.5140 yard dash time. Yeah, I just want to toss we out, were, Felix. You told me your dream was 4.8. As never, as I think those days are gone, buddy. We were barefoot. We were barefoot, and it was bad coverage, bad video. I could run a 4.8. If I'm if I train for it next year for how long for next year watch we'll see next year I'm not rich either I'm gonna get faster um all right here let's I, uh, I've often heard that 36 is the age in which you run the fastest I have heard that <laughs> oh, that's be 30 that's typically the prime right of most uh, yeah. most wide most receivers sprinters and yeah you watch the Olympics they're all like 38 39 you know what, Matt? 40. I will yeah. do that. I've got, I, I guess I've got to do it barefoot. At least you guys run a nice field. So I've got to find a decent field. I will record myself running 50 yards and Matt, you can time me and we'll see how close I would have finished toward Felix. Hey, I've seen, these re- hour on him. I've seen these recruits speed up their video to like 1.25. I can barely run stream thing, yard correctly. We just saw me mess up, run the intro twice. I'm not going to be able to re- 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 make myself go faster. Just saying this is we got going to be. This is going to be an annual thing. Every year that we're at the expo, we need to have a race of at least 50 yards and see if the results change. See how long we can do this. Maybe we I mean, do this until we're in our 50s. And- Austin made a good point while we were there Saturday. He's got us on age. So really, he, he's really only got to outlast us a little Just bit longer. Eventually, eventually we're going to slow down and Austin will be able to beat us. Well, I guess beat you. I can't say anything because I didn't run, so. Chris Moxley, before we get in the show today, can you take us through? We haven't done housekeeping in a long time. What do the people need to know? They need to know that we're doing prize picks again this year, and we actually have a whole show dedicated to it. We have Bet on C2C, which is a brand new show. First episode came out today. It has Brandon Sanders. It had Ethan Thowers. It has Chris K. Awesome show. A lot of it's built around the prize picks line. And if you want to play prize picks and you haven't before, use promo code C2C. We will match up to, well, not us. They will match up to $100 uh, for your first deposit. And you get a $29.99 credit towards the Campus to Canton membership of your choosing. So whichever one you want, $29.99. It's a great deal. And we're really excited for the prize picks partnership. Um and you can win money with this, our new bet on C2C show. It's really it's really great. I had a chance to listen this morning. 
We also have in-season YouTube content coming. Last season, we had a bunch of stuff. We had a morning show. We had a late show. A lot of people tuned in. We had a great time talking about it. First, we have the tailgate in the morning. We go from about 10 to 12 and talk about uh, matchups, start sits, player news as it breaks, uh, betting, betting, and uh, also some prize-based content on there as well. We also have, a, we, for the first time ever, a halftime Discord chat of the first game and potentially later games. I don't want to commit anybody to that, but at least the first game. Talk about, hey, what happened? What are takeaways? Uh, really get involved and have a discussion with people so that we can start making generalizations about what we want to think about for the next week. And then, not to interrupt you, Chris, not yes. to interrupt you, but we are trying to make it so that you can hang out with us all day on Saturday. Be in the Discord, watch the show in the morning, jump in the Discord chat, the Discord voice chat around, you know, when the first set of games ends. And then, Chris, you were going to say, we're going to end the night whenever the night ends with College Fantasy tonight, um, the same way we did Coast to Coast last year. That's been rebranded as College Fantasy tonight. Yeah. It, and it, the graphic for it is sweet. If you haven't already seen it, check it out. It's going to be really exciting. And Felix runs that, and it's going to be a it's going to be top down production value show. It'll be good stuff. And of course, rate and review. If you want to help us, if you want to help Campus to Canton grow, help us get our voice out there. Help us reach more people. Give us a five star rate and review, and let us know who you think would. Well, we already know who's going to win in a race between me and Austin. Let us know who you would think would win in a race between me and Matthew. We do have some news here. Um, camp is rolling around, and so we're getting things hitting us uh, really at uh, all throughout the day. Jared Dogie enters the transfer portal. Austin, since the, his, his, the presumed starter there at Western Kentucky is named Austin, I'm going to throw this to you. Austin Reed is the starter. Um is he a must-own, and if so, how much are you spending in FAB to pick him up? Well, I think it depends a little bit on team structure, but and that's kind of a lukewarm answer, and you knew that I was probably going to say that, um, also the lawyer answer. Um, but I think, like, you know, just realistically, depending – if you're in a normal, you know, 12-team-plus league, I think you have to at least – consider spending upwards of 50 50 plus percent you know i think the the expectation shouldn't be this offense will do exactly what it did last year we had a lot of players that were in this system for multiple years including the quarterback and his weapons uh they all kind of came along as a package deal with the offensive coordinator so they all kind of knew each other really well last year and that's being zach kitley the offensive coordinator bailey zappy the quarterback and then uh jared stearns and um uh malachi corley and um um Mitchell Tinsley, who's now at Penn State. Um, so it's a lot of like new bodies that they're kind of blooding in here. But I still think you can expect realistically, at least to start the season, 60 to 70% of that offense. And that's still a very, very good fantasy quarterback. Um, I'm pumping brakes because I have we've seen we've seen Austin replay at D at D2 level, and that's it. So I don't think there's any uh use at this point in debating, you know, is there NFL potential, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't think we know that yet. But just surely for the CFF potential, uh, I think, you know, uh, upward a little over 50 percent. I would not spend 100 percent personally unless I was just in like, a, a you know, a, a 2018 league and no one has them. And we have to start a bunch of quarterbacks that I, I think that would be a little too rich for me. Mox, my only hesitation with picking up Reed now is because sometimes we get a Braylon Allen or some um, Debbie asset, some high end Debbie asset, Zach Wilson, you know, out there on waivers. 
And so I'm caught between do I get Austin Reed, who's potentially a CFF winner for me, or do I save that? Because, you know, depending on how your C2C league works, Austin Reed is going to be off of waivers as, as soon as they run. And so do I save it? For or do I go for Reed or do I save it for potentially you know getting a, a Devi asset that could potentially be an NFL player one day? And that's the great thing about C two C is that however much research we do, these guys pop up from time to time. Yeah, that's actually a really good strategy question. I think if you want Austin Reed, I think you might want to have somebody else bid on him and then try to acquire him later with picks. I think I'd rather do it that way. Um, Cause like you said, I think there's going to be valuable players on waivers later. They probably want to try targeting instead. And that's the approach that I would personally take. Uh, Austin spoke to this uh, a second ago too. 60% of what we saw last year is a top 24 quarterback. 70% is a top 12 quarterback. It's like the drop off from what we saw with Bailey Zappi and Zach Kitley to what Austin Reed could be is not that steep. I think 50% is a good number. I guarantee you you're not getting it for 50%. I think 75. I think people could be spending 100% on their budget on him, to, to be frank. I think that he's I mean, going to I, go for about I, 50%. I could, yeah, I think it's going to be above 50% also. I think people are going to just go ahead and, and put 100 on him. And that's kind of the, I mean, I, I considered it myself going through and setting up waivers this week. Um, but, you know, it's something, it's something to consider. And the difference between he and Delgi is, uh, Reed is going to have what, like two or three seasons left of eligibility. So two seasons. Yeah. So whereas you would have just gotten this season with Dogie, Reed is going to be with you this season and next season, which makes him which makes him valuable. All right, Matthew, um, you have been predicting. You've been bad at, at this predicting uh, who's going to start for for schools. That's debatable. but you got one right. So sh- give a shout out to your boy Grant Wells. Yeah, Grant Wells was announced the starter at Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, he had some really good fantasy weeks for you at Marshall last year. I don't know that he does that at Virginia Tech, though. I mean, that that wide receiver room, at least in my opinion, is kind of rough with Blue, Smith, Lofton. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to put up the, the stats that he was, also because Marshall is playing probably arguably lesser competition most weeks. But I am excited about seeing him go into the Power Five now playing some better teams. You know, I don't know that he's got any NFL really in his futures, probably more of a backup guy, but I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, he was a guy who set the world on fire COVID year. It was the very first football game. We got that season. Everybody was excited. It had some incredible throws in that game. So I'm excited for him to see him become now the starter of Virginia Tech. Grant Wells transfers from Marshall to Virginia Tech. 100% not rosterable in C2C leagues. I mean, I feel like that's – is that fair to say, Chris or Austin? I would I would roster him in a deep enough league. It, I mean, I'm not rostering him probably in your standard 12 team. 16 teams, I think he's rosterable. I actually think the receiver room is not that bad. Um, like, I like Dwayne Lofton. I like Jadon Blue. I like um, Caleb Smith, who's the one. Like, I think that's an okay room. Um, and I don't think – I don't think Grant Wells is that bad. I think I well say that I'll say this. I think he's a top 50 quarterback this year. And that's probably a player that you need to have rostered in C2C, especially when depth and injuries hit weeks nine through 10, not nine through 12 ish. I mean, I, maybe I'm just finished, higher on the situation. 
No, I mean, he finished better than that last year. I don't think yeah, that that's unfair to say that he he had games where he was a top 12 quarterback. I mean, granted, it wasn't as often as I had hoped, and I think I picked him as, like, my player to start multiple times on tailgate, and he burned me every single time. But he had multiple weeks where he was a good quarterback. I don't think that he's going to a worse situation. So I agree with Moxley. They're like, he's going to bring you some points. I think he's rosterable. He's just not going to be a guy you start every week. Uh, I'm were, his, just... were his weapons any good last year either? Like Corey Gamage and Xavier Gaines are anything no. to write home about. I mean, Xavier Gaines um, was a beast, but he's not anything to write home about. I agree with you there. Yeah. It, it's more of the competition they were playing, though. Yeah, that's fair. But ACC defenses still stink. I my whole point is that I think he's rosterable. I'm not going to go out go out to bat for Grant Wells though. Austin, you were going to say something. He's a really bad decision maker. So I think if you're looking at him, like he he's a guy for looking at this from a Debbie perspective. I would have a very hard time even really necessarily seeing him hang around as like a, a backup in the NFL through 13 picks last year. I think his arm, like his tools aren't great enough for him to overcome really bad decision-making. Like he just, I don't, it's all sorts of different kinds of bad decision-making too. Like Jordan love, when he came out of college, like he just couldn't identify underneath coverage at all. Like he still can't. Um, but that was like his big flaw, but Grant Wells will like, try to force a ball over the middle of the field when he shouldn't, and then he'll misidentify a, a coverage underneath. And then he won't, you know, adjust the protection correctly and get crushed. Like he just mentally just like, doesn't get it at all. So I don't, I, it would have to be a lot of growth in that area for him to, uh, to do anything in the NFL. From one quarterback to another, let's go to South Bend. Now, Tyler Buckner, as we expected has been named the starter. Uh, um, we saw, I mean, he was the, he was a line leader and stretch and calisthenics. I mean, there's highly touted recruit. We thought that this was going to happen, Chris. My only problem with, with Tyler Buckner is, is can he throw the football? We know that he has a dynamic rushing ability, but is he going to be enough of a, of a passer to elevate Lorenzo styles, the wide receiver there to elevate Michael Mayer, who many expect to be even a top, 15 pick at tight end. I'm very, very skeptical on, on that front as to whether or not he can be a, a decent enough passer. I think he'll be okay. We got to remember with him is that he hasn't played football in two years, pretty much at all. He's played very little football. And I believe that he missed a COVID year. Um, he was in maybe it might be three years now. Um, if I have that right, because he missed the COVID year, he was injured in high school. And then he didn't play much last year. He played a little bit um, in spurts. But I mean, this guy who hasn't played a lot of football. So I expect him to be poor, to be honest, to start the season in the passing game. He gets Ohio He State. last played meaningful yeah. football as a, as a sophomore in high school. That's the last time he played meaningful football. I mean, football. he played a decent amount of snaps last year. It wasn't He wasn't a regular starter, but he did come in in, in packages and everything last year. Yeah, yeah. he de- he designed packages where he was rushing mostly. And, and so – I mean, he threw a couple passes. I actually think he had a big touchdown at one point, but I think a lot of that was yak. I don't remember exactly. But I worry about his him earlier in the season. I do think he's a good player. I think he will adjust later. But at the beginning of the season, he's going to be relying on his legs. And I think the Avery Davis injury is really tough for him because he was a, one of the only receivers you could have in that offense that could provide something for you, at least at this point. Lorenzo Styles and Michael Mayer are good, both good players, but that – positional depth is weak. So he isn't getting a lot of benefit of the doubt with the skill players in that room. So I'm a little worried. I still really like him, but it's going to be a learning curve based on what we've seen from him or haven't seen from him. Maybe is a better way to put it. 
I mean, he has some of the best rushing ability in the country. Do, do you do we see him like taking this season to announce himself as a superstar, in, at least in college football? I think superstar is strong, but I do think he's going to produce with his legs. I mean, David on our recruiting team is a big Notre Dame fan. We kind of shot down the fact that we think Brian Kelly's got who rush, runs his quarterbacks. And then he proved us wrong saying that Brian Kelly actually runs his quarterbacks a lot more than we expect. I think Tommy Reese is going to do that as well. He seemed to kind of reinvent that offense in one bowl game last year, showed how explosive they could be. I think he does that again now with Buckner. I mean, he had 336 rushing yards last year. To, to quote or to, to point to Moxley's uh, point about him being a little bit poor, I mean, he only had 35 attempts last year and he threw three touchdowns and three interceptions. So, I mean, I think that's going to come with it this year as well. Like, when it comes to passing, you're not going to know what you're going to get out of him. But I think because of that and how I think this Notre Dame team takes a step back to compared to what they were in the past couple of years with that defense, they're going to be in closer games. I think they're going to rely more on his legs, which makes him a fantasy asset for us. But I don't know that he reaches superstar level. I think he finishes probably closer to QB 24, maybe just outside top 24 because of his rushing ability. Here, I have a quick question about him and it's similar to the DJU situation that we saw last year. Their first game is against Ohio state. If he comes out and he gets shell-shocked, um, I think Ohio State's defense could be much better this year. If he comes out, he throws three picks, maybe, maybe a touchdown, maybe he doesn't throw a touchdown. Like, is that just a confidence killer, similar to what we saw from DGU and the entire Clemson offense last year? Like, I think that's a little bit of a risk with him, especially a guy who hasn't played a lot. Like, That's really, I think, something at least to consider. I don't know if it's a huge deal. I don't know anything about his mental fortitude, but we've seen it happen before. So, so we've got a, a we've got a new defensive head coach, a young head coach, does not want to get embarrassed in week one. I think we're going to see bubble screens, hitches, Rita. I think that Todd Buckner might throw the ball. To, like if you if you gave me an uh, over under on pass attempts, let's say twenty five, I would definitely take the under on uh t- t- on twenty five. So I, I just I think that they might try to um, hide the ball a little bit and do a lot of safe things because that's what that's what coaches are 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 do naturally and when you're a first time head coach a defensive head coach i just think that the game plan is going to be very very um conservative even though you know Tommy Reese is probably his peer i just think that collectively they're going to be like all right let's let's not go get the blow, the doors blown off of us uh playing ohio state yeah, I, I actually agree with that 100%. And, and where where did you attack Ohio State last year? Is that front line and those linebackers, right? I think that's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try and get that ball out quick to Lorenzo Styles. I don't know. I know Logan Diggs, I think, is back practicing. I don't know how much he'll be involved in this offense. I think they're going to try and run the ball at this Ohio State defense because I'm not quite as bullish on them as Moxley is on them bouncing back to this great defense. Anywhere Jim Knowles has been is an incredible defensive head coach but it always takes him one year to get that defense in shape. Everywhere he's been the first year, it was still not a good defense. Granted, he's coming in with some better pieces, I think, than what he had at Oklahoma State, but I'd be surprised if they jump up as high as a lot of people are giving him credit for. So I agree with what Felix is saying. I think they play it safe. What worries me, Moxley, about what you said is not even just Ohio State. Then they get two easy games against Marshall and Cal, but then they get North Carolina, BYU, and then a couple weeks later, Clemson. Like, he has got a pretty brutal schedule this year. I think if, if that Ohio State game doesn't do I think there's multiple times this year that could really knock down his confidence if he doesn't have a good game. All right. 
Um, let's move on here to Texas. They lose their starting left guard for an offensive line. Their starting left guard, I cannot think of his name off the top of my head, but he is the most experienced of their returning offensive linemen, started t- 10 games last year, was projected to start at left guard, and he's going to be out for the season. But they also lose Isaiah Nayor, who is um, a long, lanky, possession-wide receiver who, you know, according to the spring camp reports, it, wa- it wasn't a – it was right there 1A, 1B with he and Xavier Worthy as far as being involved in the offense. Um, Austin, I heard you guys talk about this a little bit on campus life, but uh, is is that I feel like this is that's a blow for a team that doesn't have much established depth at the wide receiver position outside of Nayor and Worthy. Yeah, I, I'm just more interested to see. I like I don't think the projection in terms of where we think the targets are going to go now, like as simple as who steps into his spot. Because Ajayi Hall is out at least for now. Trey O'Meary, I know you he's kind of a meme with us at this point. Um, but I mean, you can't really trust him to stay healthy. I have a hard time believing a coaching staff is going to kind of put him in that role if they can't can't trust a trust him to be healthy and B we don't even know what he looks like right now. It's he's basically suffered two season-ending injuries two years in a row. The other wide receivers they have in that team are all like slot guys are like Brendan Thompson was a four star this year, like track star, very tiny. They have Savion red. Who's a guy they've got. That's gotten a lot of hype with them this year. He's like a Debo ish kind of guy. He's not really like a big boundary guy, like possession type uh, player. So I actually think the, the people that benefit from this most are going to be tight ends and running backs. Actually, like this might consolidate a little of the target share over to Xavier worthy. Um, Whittington, if he can stay healthy, um, could be another guy to benefit in the slot. Um, but I really think it's going to be the, the burden is kind of going to fall on Bijan Robinson and whoever else they have in the backfield, Jonathan Brooks, Jadon Blue, or Jatavian Sanders, I think is going to have to take a step up here a little bit. Um, for a high four-star kid last year, kind of edge slash tight end. We weren't sure what he was going to play. He's going to play tight end. He apparently looked really good in the spring. Uh, had, a, had a couple impressive catches in that spring game and has looked good in fall camp here. So I think that's kind of where you're going to have to see the targets go because, yeah, there's just not another guy on the team that does what Isaiah Nayor does. And I bet they're really upset they didn't toss an extra mil on top of whatever they offered Jordan Addison over the summer to get him to go there. Yeah, so I actually talked a little bit about this on the fall camp show today. It looks like uh, Tariq Milton has actually kind of slotted into Isaiah Nayor's spot. Um, The other guys that have really kind of stepped up in his spot, according to the reports that I've read since he went down, uh, was was as Austin just mentioned, Brennan Thompson and Savion Red. Those are the other two guys who are really getting a lot of pub. They they've got Hall listed as suspended indefinitely, so who knows if we even see him again at this point. And Troy O'Meary has actually been limited in practice the past couple of days, so I don't know that. As Austin kind of <laughs> joked, I don't I don't know if they're gonna trust to throw him out there. So it does look like Milton has been the guy who stepped up into his spot at least since that injury happened, whether that was Friday. Thursday, the one he's been the one that kind of stood, stood up in practice. All right, uh, Matthew, I, I, I want to move through this news here. Um, Ohio State's backfield takes a hit, and Evan Pryor, somebody who can kind of get in space uh, and be elusive, and so he is out for the season with a knee injury, I believe. What do you think the impact is going to be on the uh, the team there? I think that's big for him. Uh, specifically, we've talked a little bit about this um, earlier in the year, as much to his chagrin as he just left, probably why he left, because he knew what's about to come. 
Evan Pryor was actually, according to a lot of reports, playing better than Mayan Williams. He came in this year bigger, stronger, faster. I know a major shocker. I, shocked. What, what is what does he say? I'm I'm shocked. You know, shocked and whatever. Felix always says so. Uh, but now that he is injured, that really just props up Mayan Williams, and that gives Dallin Hayden a shot too. Uh, they've talked him up a little bit about how explosive he's looked. Those are the only three running backs they have. So I'm going to be very curious to see how they use him. I do think once they get up in games that Henderson is definitely coming out now, and they're probably going to rely more on Williams and Hayden. But I do think it's bad for Pryor because I think he is probably, in my opinion, as much as I like Henderson, I think he's the best pass catcher out of all those guys. And so to see him kind of take this knee injury now when he was vaulting himself up on the roster really kind of sucks. He's muted. We can't hear you, Felix. Classic. Still muted. Still classic. I don't know. Okay, here we go. I don't know why this show loves to hate Mayan Williams. I don't know why this show continues to deny that Mayan Williams is a good football player. You know, last year he wasn't going to start. This year you got uh, Evan Pryor was playing better. Whatever. You know, he lost that job immediately. Does he want a participation trophy? He's a three star prospect. Travion Henderson was a five star prospect. I mean, duh. Yes, he did. But Mayan Williams is a good player. He's an NFL player. Are those the goalposts moving that I hear? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, I missed that. They are not. I said all year that he was going to start, and that's exactly mm-hmm, what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was he led the Big Ten in yards per carry average. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is meaningless, but okay. Uh, Matthew, any other QB battles that we need to t- talk about here? Oh, what about your boys down in Texas? I feel yeah. like you glossed over that one. I didn't gloss over. You didn't ask me about it. So I just find it very interesting. You talk about the goalposts moving and everything. Everybody freaking out about this Hudson Card Quinn Ewers thing when the report was, uh, what was the wording again? Oh, yeah. Hudson Card probably had a better scrimmage than Quinn Ewers. Probably. Not definitively. Not Hudson Card was the better quarterback. It was he probably had a better game than Quinn Ewers. It is interesting regardless. He has been playing with the uh, – when they've been on 11-11, it has been card. What I find interesting, and Felix, you'll probably be the one who can tell us if this matters. Whenever they get down in the red zone, though, every time they pull card out and have Ewers come in, it, they do not have Hudson Card run any red zone stuff. I don't understand that. I don't know what Sark's doing there. But this weekend seems to be a big weekend for a lot of these teams that have quarterback battles. This is – um, <clears throat> excuse me. For a lot of these teams, apparently this is going to be their last weekend of, of scrimmages. Texas, all the reports are this is going to be the main weekend that's really going to decide this battle. LSU, which has come down to Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer now with Miles Brennan retiring from football. Some reports say Jaden Daniels has now been taking the, the ones. I read a lot of stuff today that said Garrett Nussmeyer is still playing really well. Cincinnati is another interesting one. I'm going to skip TCU because a lot of the, it seems like I, I talked about it last week before we went to the expo that Chandler Morse was getting all the reps with the ones. I think he's going to be the guy. And I know uh, CFF side, I believe, said that as well. So I really think that's leaning toward Morris. I really thought this Cincinnati thing was a battle, but I think Moxley is going to end up being right here based on the news that just came out about Luther Richardson entering the transfer portal as a freshman. To me, that signifies, I think, that Ben Bryant's going to get this job. And that means that he knows Evan Prater's sticking around for a couple years because of that. So I think, I again, just completely reading my own tea leaves over here. Nobody told me that. But I think that's why a guy like Luther Richardson would enter the transfer portal. Uh, they have a big scrimmage this weekend as well. And that QB battle should be decided. Cincinnati, you know, attempting to repeat what it did last season with Ben Bryant. 
starting at, at quarterback. Overcome uh, crappy quarterback play to the playoff? I mean, I, mean, I, I, I think Ben Bryant's worse than Desmond Ritter. But, yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. We do have a game tonight. It's a game of this or that where we give two polarizing statements. I don't know if everybody's going to take each one. And we make uh, a person select one of those polarizing statements and tell us why. Matthew, you are the reason I thought about this game. It's got the creative juices flowing. This first question is for you, sir. Yes, for you. Um, This or that. Quit yours starts week one or Anthony Richardson wins the Heisman. Which one you got? I mean, this is very easy for me. I'm taking Quinn Ewers. I, I, I think that there's a much better shot that he starts week one. than I, There's so much that has to go right for Anthony Richardson to win the the Heisman, in my opinion. I, I don't think Florida is going to be a good team. I think there's a much better shot that Ewers gets the start in week one than Anthony Richardson wins the Heisman. I buy that. I agree. I I don't. I think Richardson's like plus – 2,500 currently. Um, I would put Cleaner's chance to start at like 70, at least 70%. So I'm going to put those 70%, odds for sure. 70%, not even getting all the reps with the ones, but we're putting it at 70%. Okay. Um, Did I we feel just, like we're going to know. We just saw a rash of transfers as soon as quarterback uh, were named starters this weekend. We just saw it at Western Kentucky. Would anybody be that shocked if they're making it as close as they can so that Hudson Card doesn't leave? Like, you know, I think there's a lot of strategy there. I would be I feel sh- I would like not there's be been two guys on this show saying that exact same thing, and I'll, I'll narrow it down. They're not the two guys sitting at the bottom of the screen. So I don't know if that makes any sense. According to one, at least one person on this panel, it doesn't make any sense. But to me, that makes a lot of sense that they're playing defense against Hudson Card transfer. Ah, I got it. So we're giving all of these number one reps to the guy we don't intend to start. Ah, you know multiple, you know multiple schools starting did that same exact ones. thing last year, yeah. right? Like so did Texas did that last year. So did Texas. Yeah, and then who ended up getting the job? Hudson Card. They split the reps last year when everybody, including yourself, was Casey Thompson's going to be the guy. Casey Thompson's going to start. Casey Thompson's getting the ones. And then who did they announce on opening day was getting the start? Hudson Card. So let me ask. Let me ask you this: If if Quint Ewers does not start game one, play one, down one, are you taking that as an L or no? No, because I've never said that he has to start week one. Now, I have said he's going to finish as a top 10 QB. That's going to be wrong if he doesn't start week one. But we've also discussed why it makes sense for him not to play the first two games. He's going to get murdered by Alabama. Now, I I will fully admit, if he doesn't start until week five, then yes, I will take the L because I fully expect him to start no later than week three. But I never said he has want, to start week one. I want to get hit. you on record. I want to get you on record for what your take is. He are you, it better you, be starting by think, week three, or it's an L for me, and I will I will bow to the master week, okay. of mind of Felix. So and now Hudson Carr okay. being the truth all of a sudden. So now he doesn't have to start week one. He might get beat out by the guys who lost the job to Casey Thompson. He should start week one. He is the better quarterback. I've said that all along, and I do think if you're going to in any shot put him out there against Alabama, you better give him reps against a weaker opponent week one but if they don't do that i i do believe he starts week three austin uh i hope we're not bothering you here tonight but uh I, 
just the, uh, the this is my question for you. This or that. G G Scott scores two touchdowns or Kyle McCord plays two full quarters this season. Which this is you? interesting because for both of these to happen, it has to be a blowout of some sort. Um, give me McCord playing two full quarters. Um, cause I know, um, the rumor has it that McCord has looked pretty solid in practice compared to the other backups there. So I think there's going to be games, you know, where they get up 55 to six. And I think you'll see, you'll see McCord. So I think McCord, that's much more likely. I don't, I don't know why everyone thinks that G Scott's now going to be a thing at tight end. I just don't really get that personally. But Ohio State doesn't use their tight ends. Why would we ever think that he's going to do anything there? If you were gonna, if you were gonna shift a tight end, go to school somewhere else. Transfer makes no sense I mean, to stay at Ohio State and bulk up thirty pounds to play a position that they don't even care about. That's like the I, biggest I feel, slap in the face ever. I feel like I've been saying since our first show that. G. Scott and Kyle McCord need to transfer. I mean, I feel like I've been saying that for almost three years now. Um, uh, you like Chris Moxley, though, so I think it kind of gets washed out. Yeah. Uh, Chris Moxley, over under 12 quarters played at Ohio State for Kyle McCord for the rest of his uh, collegiate career. That doesn't include last games. year. That doesn't include last year. Does not year, include right? last year. Three, 12 more quarters, additional quarters. Oh, man. Over under. I'm gonna go over, and the reason I'm gonna go over is because, from all I understand about Kyle McCord, is that he is very competitive, that he thinks he can be the starter at Ohio State. And if he believes that, I think he gets garbage time this year, and he might stay next year even if he doesn't win that job, and he might start. Like I, I'm not totally convinced that McCord's ever gonna transfer. He he probably will at, if he doesn't win the job. But he doesn't need that much to get this number this year. I don't know. I I don't really feel that confident on that either side of this, but I'll go over. It's it's easily McCord because he's going to be in. He's the two. He, he's going to play more than two quarters. What I will say, and I agree with Austin on the G Scott. That thing, wasn't the que- that wasn't the question that was on the table. We, was the, question the question was over under twelve quarters played. Oh, for Kyle changed? McCord for the rest oh. of his. Ohio State. You already know I think he's going to be the starter next year, so that doesn't matter. I want to get to the G. Scott thing anyways. I agree with Austin that they don't use their tight ends, yet they've had six tight ends drafted in the last five years, So, and all of them in the third round or higher outside of one guy who went in the fifth round. I forgot who that was. Nick Bennett to the Seattle Seahawks. So while they don't use their tight ends, they do get them drafted, including Jeremy good in the NFL? Uh, Nick Vanette head was okay. Who was the one who got his knee injured? Was it Jeff Hireman? I think he went to the Broncos. I'm trying to remember who the other ones. We don't know what Jeremy Rucker is going to be. He's probably the best closest comparison because of his offensive skills. So I don't care if he's good in the NFL. I just want him to get drafted. I get the sense that we are bothering Austin. Just pulling back the curtain here a little bit. Austin, do you have anything that you'd like to get off your chest before we move on? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I did. I didn't get to say that. I think there's no chance that Anthony Richardson wins the Heisman this year, but um, that's fine. It's narrative. Feel, it's narrative based. He could be. Do you great feel better year, now. Yeah, you feel, I better feel better now. now. Thank you. Um, who hasn't gotten one yet? Mox, this Felix. is your question. You I haven't mean, gotten you can one. Ask me. 
All right. So, so I'm going to ask my, go ahead. Why don't you ask me, you got the show sheet. What's the question? Okay. No, okay. no, you need to ask him the next one because he's all about the second player on that sheet. Skip the, let Moxley do this one with Will Levis. So let, let's ask Felix about Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> okay. All right. So okay. tell, give this one to Moxley. You would think that we'd be organized here. Like we know what we're doing. No, um, all right. Chris Moxley, w- this or that Will Levis is a first round quarterback or Cade Klubnick, the true freshman for Clemson, starts at least six games for Clemson this year. Which one you got? So I, I added this to the sheet because I thought there was a pretty interesting narrative around what Klubnik's going to do this year. But I – oh, God. I think we'll, the more likely scenario is Will Levis goes in the first round, and I'm going to have a tattoo of the duck with the knife saying – causing problems on purpose. So – uh yeah i guess guess i just have to live with that one i and i agree i agree too i don't i don't like either one of these but i I, if i had to choose between one of the two i just i think that the that dju is going to have a very long leash i don't think that they're going to pull him like immediately and he can be bad and they still win games and so they'll keep him in you know i don't know that they're just going to start if they if they start out losing you know two or three then maybe i just don't see that happening but i don't have clemson's schedule in front of me maybe if somebody can pull up their schedule we can look at it and see what we think they're going to do in the first quarter i Um, just i don't agree with that he has a long leash actually i think dabo has been very clear with quarterbacks that they have short leashes i mean kelly bryant was pretty entrenched as a starter when trevor lawrence came in and they weren't like clemson was winning but they were barely winning I think that's what you're going to – Clemson might not score more than 28 points. Like, they play Georgia Tech. They'll score at least 28 points at least once. But they're going to really struggle to score this year with with DJU. I mean, he – I don't care what anybody says. In the spring game, he was still extremely inaccurate. He was, he was quite frankly, awful. I don't care how he's looked in practice. That, I mean, we, we saw him in, in a live setting, and he was terrible again. I just – I, th- I think if he's bad for two or three games, he, he got pulled last year for Fomachon. Fomachon stinks. Yeah, like, he, I, I really think that if he's, if he's bad and they're barely winning, Klubnik comes in because they have aspirations of, you know, ACC championship playoff. And I, they can't do that like that. I, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Where I slightly disagree with you is that's a completely different situation in the fact that Trevor Lawrence was the number one quarterback yep. in the nation. Wasn't Klubnik the number one quarterback in the nation? No, he was not. Was he yeah, by one? Kelly, was it by twenty four seven? Kelly Bryan is not DJU. Yeah, I, 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 I know everybody keeps using that one scenario, but nobody's talking about K. Klubnik being anywhere close to what Trevor Lawrence is either. Like, you may be right on he has a short leash, but also I, Felix asked for the schedule. Okay, what's the hard game? NC State in Week Five. Like, yeah, they're probably not going to have Wake Forest. Yeah, so that's it. That Wake Forest probably not going to have Sam Hartman. And then after that, Notre Dame. Like, they don't have yeah. a hard schedule, so I don't know that they just throw Club Nick out there. I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sold on DJU is going to be as bad as everybody else thinks he is. I don't think he's great. But I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle, which is why I think he holds off Club Nick. I we I know that what Moxley and Felix just said to me, we're obviously on the wrong side of that because on three has Cade Club Nick predicted as like a freshman of the year as one of their all all American freshmen. You've got to get on the field to be an all American. So people clearly think he's going to going to play. I just I don't think that's a fair comparison to make using the Kelly Bryant Kelly Bryant Trevor Lawrence thing like everybody has been using. It's in my opinion a different scenario. 
Because that's what national but championship I'll, means. Yeah, I'll also add that um, the thing with Klubnik is I I so Clemson lost to NC State last year in overtime. If they lose again and that game is in Death Valley, I don't know that DJU is coming out of there. If he, if DJU is the problem, I would be kind of surprised. Well, it ain't gonna be the that's defense, the game. So that's the game. <laughs> yeah. So if DJU throws two picks, no touchdowns, and like 120 yards, like next week, Kate Club next starting, especially if they lose. <laughs> And I think there were possible. not a bunch of games where he threw for more than 200 yards last year. Cade Klubnik, five-star true freshman quarterback who won the Elite 11 competition uh, last year. So pay attention to what that quarterback room is looking like as the season unfolds. It's something that we're going to be paying attention to. Comparatively uh, speaking, I just want to throw this out real quick. DJU was about the same quality of player as Spencer Petras was last year, the quarterback at Iowa. Yeah. Would you have or any worse. problem venting Spencer Petras for Cade Klubnik? No, you wouldn't. The, different scenarios. Way though. more that goes into it. Than, yeah, than that. Iowa's not. Comp- Iowa is not anywhere close to what Clemson has defensively competing for their division. Like, there's. You're also saying a lot and just taking a true freshman. Granted, I know they say he's like this un, you know, unspoken leader in the locker room and this great guy and the and all that other stuff at Clemson right now. It's completely different throwing that guy out there. We have not seen those guys necessarily succeed. Even Caleb Williams, yes, came in, saved him in the Texas game. And then he also struggled for multiple weeks before he bounced back again and did that. Clemson wants to win. They can win with that defense and DJU just being okay. That's all they need him to be because of how good that defense is. He threw over 220, 220 yards uh, once last year, and that was against UConn. <laughs> he was so, terrible. Throw that, he out. Just throwing that out there. Cade Clubman, no, not – Cade Klubnik, however, not the same level of prospect of either Caleb Williams or Trevor Lawrence. And so that tells you what you need to know about DJU if he is benched for Cade Klubnik. All right, Chris Moxley, you've got a question for me. You need to tee this up. All right. Bijan Robinson, stud out of Texas, is the is drafted the highest of any running back since Saquon Barkley or Jameer Gibbs, Stud receiver, uh, elite receiving back at Alabama, goes RB4 or later in his respective draft class. I, I mean, I, Matthew, you threw this question to me like I'm going to be scared to answer it. I think the more likely thing – I think both are unlikely. But I think the more unlikely thing is that um, uh, say that, that Bijan has taken like top five whatever, whenever Saquon was taken. So I guess I'm going to have to go with Jameer Gibbs falling out of um, the RB4 range. But quite frankly, I, that doesn't really bother me at all. If you look at that 2020 class, you had uh, A.J. Dillon taken bef- like before. Was A.J. Dillon taken before Jonathan Taylor? No. no, no. Somewhere close. Anyway, only uh, Clyde only ETN and was it Do- did Dobbins go before? Swift. ETN and, and ETN. Swift went before Swift. Taylor. Right. But you, and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, and Clyde and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So, like, I'm not as long as Jameer Gibbs gets second round draft capital. If you want to take, you know, Zach Evans or Sean Tucker in front of him, I'm not. It doesn't bother me really at all. Um, so, I'm not scared of this question. If if J.K. Dobbins, I think, was the last running back taken in that second round in that 2020 class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, give me give me Jameer Gibbs in the second round, regardless of whether. 
uh, he he's taken after RB four. Austin, which of these two would you would you take? Man, this is a really tough one because I don't think either is that likely to happen. That's the problem. I'm going to say that I think it's it's more likely that Gibbs is RB4. Just because I don't think any NFL team is going to spend that type of draft capital on a running back this year. And I think there's a scenario where Gibbs seeds work at Bama because he shows that he still is not an efficient runner between the tackles and he doesn't weigh in very well at the combine and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't think that's likely again, but I think that's more likely than Bijan going top four, especially in a draft that has Will Anderson, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in it. There's three and probably the, what's his name? The the lineman from Georgia. So there's your four. So I think that's a difficult uh, achievement. Austin is just a ray of sunshine tonight. I don't know I'm how so, much I think I that just... it's realistic. That's realistic. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Let's move on here to another one. And uh, I think this is important because it, it, it tells us what Eric Gilbert is potentially as a prospect and what his involvement is going to be at Georgia. So this or that, these two statements, Eric Gilbert outproduces Brock Bowers or Michael Bear is a top 15 pick. That's easy for me. Mayor's a top 15 pick. I actually think both are very likely, but I don't think Mayor falls out of the top 10. Uh, I just think you're shaking your head because of the way they view him as an all around tight end. I don't know that Gilbert outproduces Bowers, Um, but I do think Mayor's like a lock for an early pick. He's going to be, I mean, I think he'll be a good uh, fantasy uh, asset, but I think he'll, he's the kind of guy that like he'll be a better NFL player, which is saying a lot about how good of an NFL player he can be. I'm really surprised that y'all think that Michael Bear's a top 15 pick. Like, I think he's a first rounder. I think he's going to go up like the 20, 25 range. The NFL teams, NFL is going to love him. I think. I think so I think too. So. Yeah. I I love Michael Mayer, so I I hope so. I have a lot of him, but he's not going to have the athleticism that you see from top 15 tight ends. I've heard this said. I don't I've heard this said. Um, I don't think it matters because he does for his size. He has the quick twitch ability to get open. And it's the same way when Deontay Johnson went to the combine and didn't test that well. It's something about that just, you know, pinball route running style that can't be captured exactly or precisely with athletic testing. And I think that Michael Mayer has some of that ability. Like, I'm not scared if he goes and runs a – his shuttle time is going to matter to me. I want to see what his quickness is like, his short area quickness is like. So that that matters to me. Yeah, that doesn't matter. I know that's kind of the one thing everybody knocks him for. I don't think it matters because of how well he's produced at a place like Notre Dame. If we were talking about him producing, just using Cincinnati, as we talked about them earlier, at like a G5 school, I could see that mattering. But, I mean, he's put up stats against some of the best of was that game against Clemson a couple years ago where he like was the only player on that offense and they could not stop him? And we consider Clemson have a top defense, right? Like he always produces. So I don't think it's going to matter at the end of the day. All right. I think this is going to be the last one. Austin, I'll start with you. And I think this is a good question to finish on. This or that Ohio State has three 1,000 yard receivers for the second consecutive season or. Alabama has no thousand yard receivers. Which one you got? Man, I was really hoping you wouldn't give me this one. I think it's Bama. 
I think it's Bama has no 1,000 yard series. It's just really difficult to get three 1K guys, and I think they can hit two, but I think those they're kind of they're going to rotate enough where you know so, a couple guys have like 400 to 600 yards, but nobody gets gets that third 1,000. If there was a more entrenched third guy, I think then uh, and there might be as the season goes on. You know, I and I, Julian Fleming is wowing everybody in practice. He's showing everyone what he can do. Like by week four, that job is not going to be his. I think we all kind of know that. But that's expecting Ibuka to get a thousand yards in, in eight games. Then it's kind of it's asking a lot. I'd also just like to point out Ohio State only had two a thousand yard receivers last year, not three. Olave Chris Olave missed it by like sixty yards because uh, he missed a game. So that's what like they had three entrenched guys last year. Like yeah. I think it's a little yeah. more difficult to do this year. Yeah, um, Matt, it, Matt. It, it's Bama for me too. I, I agree with everything Austin said. I mean, I I think J, JSN and Marvin Harrison easily go over that now. I think you you have a better shot of like the rest of the, there's like multiple guys that've got like 5 or 600 yards. I, I don't think anybody even approaches again. Uh, it was 1058 for Wilson last year, 1600 for JSN and 936 for Olave. Olave goes over Billy's in the bowl game. Doesn't play in the bowl game, misses a game because of an injury. So I don't think anybody comes close to getting that. I think it's 500 at best for the next guy. Yeah. I I will also go Alabama. Um but I don't feel that good about it. Like I'm not that confident in it because that target share is really narrowed over the last couple months. I mean, the Jojo world injury is pretty killer there. I mean, I think there's a good shot. Jermaine Burton has like 12 to 1300 yards, but I don't know that that is all that less likely or more likely than Ohio state having three 1000 yard guys. That's pretty tough to pull off. Not, so I actually think it's pretty close. Um, but I'm gonna go with Bama and Jermaine Burton maybe gets like nine fifty. But that's the that's the scenario that you need for that to come true. Uh, given the injuries there, I could see um Bama throwing like six receivers, like they'll just run through receivers for that team, at least until they you know, someone's established. All that said, I think this was uh according to Eric Froton at the at the um expo when asking Alabama players about who's next in that wide receiver room, everybody mentions Ja'Cory Brooks. I just think that Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be playing too far away. He's not the slot wide receiver. He's not the boundary wide receiver. He's going to be playing in that flanking position all the way out there outside the numbers on the opposite hash. I mean, my coach used to say you can hide anybody at field corner, the, the position that guards that position, because the ball just doesn't go there. It's just um, – and Bryce Young doesn't have the best arm to be thrown out there to that flanking position. So I think that it's going to be Jermaine Burton, uh, who's the closest on 1,000 yards. But if you have a whole bunch of other players with three, 400 yards, 600 yards receiving, I could very easily see that. They brought in a ton of guys this year, a ton of freshmen. And we have to see how that's going to shake out. All right. Make sure you check out all the content around the Campus to Canton uh, family, including the website – uh, we're doing conference previews right now, so you can check those out. You can also check out Ethan Sowers uh, discussing week zero prize pick options. So check that out. You can find this podcast on the Campus to Canton podcast channel, along with Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, the official Betsy 2C, the Hero RB show. I feel like I'm missing something there, um, but I'll figure it out next week because that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get it rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace and Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night.
and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Info caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.